investigation of the Calamity at Omshire. Today's adventure begins roughly one day after last adventure ended. But I'm no miscreant. Uh, and then as the sun rises, uh, you are uh, passing that spot in the road where when all of this began, the, the old man uh, stopped the carriage the first time to go ahead and tell you about Omshire's calamity. Our, our prayers are answered finally. My second cousin, twice removed from my mother on the left-hand side, has finally answered the missives that I sent months ago. We know what the town was going through, and this seems to be changing it. That might be a good place to start. I don't think he's on the up and up, and I think we need to talk to the people in the town. Something is definitely wrong here. Let's get out of here. I'll nod and extend the leather pouch to Kilvarix. Kilvarix will reach a talon carefully in, pull it out, sniff it, lick it with his tongue, and then pop it in. In the meantime, is going to pick up one of the loaves of bread and randomly pick up a piece of, or a, a round of cheese and take the knife and put it back and like wrap it in a napkin and get up. She's just going to take the whole wheel and the whole loaf with her. Uh, Simeon takes takes both, puts it, it, wraps it in a cloth, uh, puts that in his pouch, including the knife. I assume the knife is silver? Of course, yeah. We have the letter of introduction, but do we know where the residence is? Uh, so the the card that uh, they brought in was an was an address. It was, uh, you know, the 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 third house on the fourth street uh, to the north of the city center. Is that on the fun side or the uh, dark side of town? Uh, yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it would be to the west, so it's it's in the darker, it's in the, the depressed section of town. Okay, we'll head there first. Thank you for your time, Mr. Mag. Once Lord we're Mag. outside, I would like to talk to everyone and say, I think we should split up and get as much exactly. information as we can from all the residents on our way to figure out what's really going on here. I am not good with people, so I would rather go with someone like Simeon as a voice, so to speak. Uh, I can come across a little scary, blunt, rough, whatever you say. Simeon has a way with, uh, uh, shall we say... Uh, it has been said of me as well that gruff is how I come off. However, if it comes to divining people's thoughts, I have prepared the ability to read them today. I think there is merit to separating for investigation purposes, but I do believe since at least those of us who know Matrius, um, New Matrius, we should certainly go there. And uh, as a representative of Candle Keep, Doyle, you should go there as well. Um, 
I don't know if splitting up before we meet Matrius's family is a good idea. Agreed. So a uh, couple, couple things here. Uh, first thing is that as you exit the estate, uh, the the old guard at the door um, kind of snaps to attention again, uh, and and uh, starts wandering off, uh, muttering to himself about how he has to uh, uh, has to get the weapons for the guests. Um, uh, Simeon he comes back with the crossbow and the sword uh, that um, that you gave him previously. I'll send the mage hand off to retrieve my crossbow. Uh, so the crossbow is once again kind of flying through the air at him. Kind of reach out my hand and kind of catch it. I will put my hand on the man's shoulder and hold him up. It's okay. Uh, uh, so as as the crossbow begins flying through the air, so first thing, um, uh, Candy, is I need you to give me, uh, I need you to give me a naked d20 roll uh, because as the crossbow begins flying through the air again, he is going to try to pluck it out of the air with his halberd. And I need to know whether or not you are able to grab it or he is able to hit it first. Would you agree to Arcana instead of just a straight D20? Uh, this is this is because literally both things are happening at the same time, so it's going to be a straight D20 against him to see if uh, if he is able to react before you are. 16. Okay, I only rolled a 15. So, uh, you see him steady his halberd as if uh, the, the, the age... And, and you know the, the the wheels of time have ground so long that he is unable to really effectively hold his weapon and, and Simeon extending his hand onto his shoulder uh, steadies him in one way but pushes him off center just enough so as he swipes at the crossbow with the flat of his blade um, candy you instead pluck it out of the the air and the old man's like, oh ah oh, ah oh, how did how did you ah oh, I it's okay, my friend. Just, just, it's okay. He is flying. He, he weapons. is with us. Flying weapons, and uh, I've never seen such a thing. And he, he goes back to his stool and and uh, falls asleep. Uh, so the the uh, everyone was going to Matras's house first. Is that uh, is that sort of the uh, the order of operations here? Yes. Don't know if this is the appropriate time to ask, but um, how how did your friend Matrius die? He was killed by an imp. That terrible. Yes, we didn't know him well, but we had res- rescued him from being trapped in an extra dimensional space. Unfortunately, he was murdered upon his return to the Candle Keep. Um, Doyle, now that you hear them tell the story, uh, you do remember uh, from, again, from several weeks ago at this point, a story about uh, that seems to match that there had been a, a wizard that was studying extra-dimensional spaces, had seemingly got caught there, um, other, uh, other sort of uh, people stumbled accidentally into his space, freeing him, but trapping themselves. Um, it was actually, it, the story was sort of told 
over drinks at the hearth, uh, a little jokingly about the about the new the, the 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 new students at the library who didn't really quite know what they were doing and accidentally stumbled into it into an extra dimensional space. Um, and that's so that's the story as you heard it. Um, and so hearing uh, hearing them tell it much more heroically, uh, you have both sides of this story. Right on. Um, so as you, uh, as you're, so assuming you're having this conversation as you're kind of walking down the streets, uh, and again, it was, you know, uh, third street on the left, third house on the fifth street, um, north of the thing, uh, and, uh, as, as Kilvarix is walking, he is going to try to do a, his insight check to see if there's some obvious clues he can pick up about the spread or pattern of the, of the misery versus the carnival or sure any, any obvious yep absolutely uh give me an insight check then I'd, I'd like to join on that too and i will sure. definitely unwrap whatever cloak or blanket was around my sword totally fine yep uh 25 total <laughs> okay i have a plus uh, six on insight so <laughs> yeah and you rolled wow not a big number at all um for his part simeon will um uh, if he comes across any uh, children or people that seem like they're in um, bad array or hungry, he will um, he will definitely break off large piece of bread, large amount of cheese, so that they can share with their families something to carry them over, kind of thing. He's basically trying to share, uh, uh, trying to trying to share, and uh, if asked, he will say. Um, Gifts from the from his lordship, the mayor. Fabulous, excellent. I rolled a uh, six. So it was a six. Uh, cool. So Alarai, so you are sort of so taken by the story about Matrias, uh, uh, you're kind of uh, you're not super paying attention. However, uh, Kilvarex, uh, in terms of a pattern. There's not like a, a defined line through the middle of the city where like it's happy on one side or happy on another. Um, it's it's again it's sort of much more uh, much more tra- kind of not tra- even transitional is the wrong word, but it's much more vague than that, right? It's more just like as you're walking around, what it seems apparent, uh, kind of taking all the facts as you know them to be, uh, it would seem that you get expert at picking out who has likely been to the carnival and who has not been to the carnival. Um, that seems to be like, uh, you know, as you're, um, one thing that you'll see is that, um, uh, people that are kind of walking from the carnival are all wearing sort of these, uh, fake cloth butterfly wings. Um, and, uh, you kind of start to, uh, examine how, like what their faces look like and what their smiles look like and the tone of their voice and everything like that. Uh, to the point that, um, as you see other people that are maybe not wearing their, their butterfly wings anymore, um, they're acting the same. And so you're kind of able to piece that together that clearly people who have been to the carnival are in a better disposition than those who have not as well, sort of on the carnival side of town. Uh, you do see that there are, especially as you get away from the kind of the mayoral state, which is at the center of town, you do see that there are again, houses in disrepair or uh, small, uh, small farms that, or small fields that have not uh, don't seem to be yielding any vegetables or anything like that. So that's still happening on the carnival side of the field, but the people there seem less distraught by it 
while they also acknowledge that it happened. Like, yep, our house burned down. Let's move on. Let's carry on. Versus people that are not uh, on the that have not been to the carnival or have don't don't see sort of uh, on that side of town that are very much like, why have the gods cursed us? What did we do? That very very much uh, doom and gloom about it, as opposed to more more directly sort of uh, acknowledging that they that this fate has befallen them and that uh, that the best thing that they can do is sort of move on. I'm assuming it's obvious that it's some kind of magical type effect. Give me an arcana roll. <laughs> if, if he is mentioning these theories that he's having, I will definitely get in on the arcana portion of it. Well, that was an it was an insight. So unless uh, Kilvarix, that's up to you. Are you it, sort of an, talking through this or? Uh, yeah, hold on. It's an, I rolled an eleven. Okay. Cool. Yep. So is it obviously magical or is it just seems to be like a gladiatorial arena distraction for the Romans? There's nothing that says at this point that it is definitely magical. You can't discount that possibility and it could just be distraction of the masses, but there's nothing. It's not like they have like any sort of like magical effect, you know, like, uh, um, you know, given how successful you were in your insight role, you know, uh, I'll, I'll give you the freebie that like the wings that people are wearing aren't like magic items or anything like that. Um, so it is, it is, there's nothing outwardly that says it's magic. It could just be, you know, breads and circuses. Um, and that's really just a little too convenient for your sensibilities, right? Um, so the, the question is that when you're doing your insight, were you sharing that with the, were, you, were you sharing your insights with the rest of the party? I'm going to turn to everyone as I come across this realization. So, so obviously the carnival makes people happy, but it almost seems a little too happy. But I don't sense anything mystic or arcane. I'll turn my practiced arcane eye on it, and I did get a 16 for arcana. Yep. Uh, your uh, your assessment matches uh, Kilvarix's, that there's, there's no indication that it's magical, but the answer is just a little too convenient that to rule out magic as a possibility. When we arrive at Matrios's families... I shall take some time to be more thorough in the magical examination. That's a good idea. So as you approach the house that that Madame Rose uh, mentioned on the card, uh, it looks like every other house uh, on the block. There's nothing really that separates it from anything else. Uh, with one exception, and that is over the door is a um, uh, a rough carved two-dimensional looks like a you know, painted black raven bird figure um, with a uh, wearing a red belt around its waist. Um, and that is over the doorway. Um, and that's really the only thing that sort of makes this house stand out from uh, from any other house on the block. Does that seem familiar at all from encounter of the encounter uh, from the encounter at Shelley Brantifex? It absolutely does seem familiar. So if you would like, well, you tell me what you think it means, and I will give you 
Tell you what, we'll do it this way. I will give you three questions. You can ask three questions and I will answer them honestly. Does it mean that this house is under the protection of Venique's order? Yes. That is a great insight. Take inspiration for that. That's a fantastic conclusion. Has anyone from that order been here recently, or was this put up by the family itself? Uh, that's inconclusive. Yeah, there's nothing to suggest that they, that they would have been here, but it is definitely uh, it is definitely a connection to the were ravens that you ran into last game. Doyle takes a quick snapshot of it in his mem- with his that memory is. orb. Does the house look like it's one of the ones that's come across troubles, or is it like in its own little bubble of protection? Ooh, a great question. Uh, it does not seem to be in a bubble of protection. However, it has not befallen any condition, uh, any particular state. Um, you know, it seems like the roof was maybe repaired not long ago, but it's certainly not like reduced to rubble or anything like that. Okay. Uh, so who knocks on the door? Uh, Simeon will knock, but as we go there, uh, actually, as we were walking and we were handing out, and I was handing out um, bread and cheese to different families, I, I look at uh, Candy and I say, you weren't wrong about your observations. It is important for those of wealth and power to benefit the people first. But if you're obviously dealing with somebody who won't, you need to stay your tongue to get the right information and then make sure you do the things to fix their problems. Hence, I got bread, I'm giving it to the people. And uh, the one thing that I will do, if there's a family that seems to be particularly destitute, I will present them with that silver knife and, and say, if you have this melted down, it will it will sustain your family. Uh, yeah, you're able to as you're walking along. Um, you uh, find a uh, a family who's again they seem to be like sifting through the rubble and uh, parents seem distraught. Kids are crying, you know that kind of thing. Um, and so you will say that it's got the um, the same kind of cost as like a tiny silver dagger. Um, so it's about fifty gold pieces worth of silver. So. Candy will nod at Simeon. That is why this one was only recently promoted to rank of captain through lack of other options. Not because I am good with people. I like to think that I am good with people, but the reality is I just try to be a good person. Also, Apparently clever and wise. Most impressive, good sergeant. I'm more wise than clever, I think. Okay, That's why I so like having no- librarians around. <laughs> <laughs> so who knocks on the door? Simeon will knock. Before Simeon walks up to the door to knock, Kilvarks will put his hand on his shoulder <laughs> and say, Remember, my friend, may I help guide you? And watch out for books and cast guidance on him. <laughs> the phrase watch out for books is going to haunt Doyle. He's not sure which way to take that. You'll see, because sooner or later, one is going to knock me out. 
so he has cast guidance on you. Uh, uh, I will okay. knock and uh, take a full step back so as yep. not seem like I'm encroaching. Uh, yep. Weapons will not be visible. Uh, my hands okay. will be visi- visible in front, uh, and I, my head will be slightly down as this is uh, somber news that we are delivering to the family. They're not already. Fair around. enough. Fair enough. Um, there is no answer. Alara is going to look in the window. Okay. There are no curtains or anything on the windows. Uh, so as you look in, um, what are you looking for? Well, I'm, I'm looking to see if it's habitated. If, you know, if somebody's been here, if they're hiding. I mean, if it's clean, somebody's been living here. If it's sure dusty, dirty, uh, then... Yep. Give me an insight check. Is there an open window or anything like that around the house? I'll have my owl kind of do a perimeter check. So all the houses in this section of town are sort of close together. Um, it's kind of like inner medieval city, so everything's kind of abutting. Um, so there's kind of a door and a window on the street-facing side. Um, there's a there's a door and a window to like a small exterior garden in the rear, kind of like a shared garden for all like the houses around kind of thing. So there's a window on the other side too, but the, uh, the windows really aren't the opening kind. They're just kind of like small porthole type windows. They're not like modern windows. Um, I'm going to look around and see if anybody using, uh, I'm going to use my observational skills and try to notice if anybody is paying attention to what we're doing. Give me a perception check. Uh, but in the meantime, Alari, what's your insight check, please? Okay. 13. Inside. Yeah. Uh, the house seems maintained. It seems taken care of. So your assumption would be that, yes, people do live there. Perhaps they're at the carnival. Exactly what I was going to say. That's a 19, no guidance required. Cool. Uh, the uh, You don't seem... Nobody seems to be paying you much attention or, or anything like that. I mean, there is the occasional look of like, oh, hey, there's a member of the Order of Purple Dragons. But again, it's more of a, ooh, as you walk by. Um, but not like in a, ooh, what are you doing here sort of way. So I want to go to that person and just ask the question. I'm looking for the family of Matrius. We have important information for them. Uh, and I was wondering if you might know where they would be. I think they went to the carnival. They were talking about that earlier. Indeed. I thank you very much for your... Uh, Are you going to the carnival? I, I do believe that is where we shall go. It's a good time. I like the carnival. Excellent. Well, I do thank you for your troubles, and I hand hand a copper piece. Here, have a hardened confection. Candy. Indeed. have been called such. Uh, thank you for your troubles, ma'am. You're welcome! Candy, I believe you said you had something to do to determine the arcane origins of this possible... It will take me ten minutes. We should walk to the carnival. Perhaps you should do that at around the carnival. 
If a quiet space can be secured, it will be done. Even if it's to privy, I'm sure we can find somewhere. If you need a quiet space, you can come inside! Inside where? It's in the house! She is offering us use of her domicile. Is she po- which house is she pointing? Is she, she's not pointing at, like, Mach- Matrius's house, right? No, she points, like, she, like, okay. thumbs, like, over her shoulder. Like, so, so Simeon had found her on the street because right. uh, uh, she gave him she gave him googly eyes as he walked by in his nice suit of armor. Uh, and so she's like, you, you can come inside if you want! Alaroy puts her hand on Candy's, uh, like, forearm, like, gripping it nice and tight, and says, thanks, thanks, but no, and forcefully pulls him forward. I'll, I'll keep the kids, I'll have them keep it down. They could be a little loud. Nope, nope, we're going. I believe we are off to the carnival, per your suggestion. Hold on, that be a, I gotta... You coming inside or not? Uh, that would be no. Thank you, madam. Enjoy your day. She, she uh, walks off into her house. Stranger danger, Candy. Stranger danger. <laughs> I, 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 before she walks off, I'll give her like a, one of the bigger pieces of unbroken candy. No, 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 no. The no. <laughs> tiny humans that reside with you. You're the best. A-plus in my book. You need a quiet space anytime. You come find Mabel. I will kind of let Alari drag me along. As we get out of earshot from Envos Alta, uh, I will just look at Candy and say, um, there are certain situations in which Giving or receiving candy from strangers may not always be the best suggestion. And strange women who immediately invite cadres of adventurers into their home might very well fall into that category. This one was not planning on entering her domicile. It appeared she was more interested in you. Yes. But it is important for a group of adventurers to realize if one goes, they all must go. So if one, such as myself, is trying to avoid entreatment, his fellow party members should help him avoid entreatment. This one understood that company in such matters was usually not desired. Correct. And that's why in this case, it worked perfectly. I didn't desire the company, therefore I needed your company to help me avoid it. Alari's behind Candy, trying to make eye contact with Simeon, going, no, just no, just stop. Just no. Where exactly did you say you were from, Candy? This one was originally raised on the Astral Sea. Like, is there a city there? It is glorious. But, unfortunately, this one has come 
and it just kind of looks around and shrugs. He is an honorable and worthy companion. It must be difficult to be so far out of your element. Tact becomes really impossible to find. I, I don't get out much myself, so I, I sympathize. It's difficult. It is merely changing from one struggle to another. The constant war with the Illithids versus having to socialize. Just the word Illithid gives Doyle a shudder. As it should. If joining the Tabletop Journeys actual play games sounds like the kind of fun you're looking for, be sure to check out patreon.com slash ttjourneys where patrons of the Tabletop Journeys podcast not only get early access to all of our episodes, but they get the opportunity to play in our monthly actual play games where the dice are wild and we make every roll legendary. So as you all are walking down the street, heading towards the carnival, uh, seemingly out of nowhere, all of a sudden, off to the side, none of you saw them kind of set up or anything like that, there is a finely festooned individual in wrapped in fine like purple and green and fuchsia silks uh, who has a table... Uh, and on the front of the table, uh, is a sign that says fortune teller. And, uh, on the, on top of the table is a, um, your stereotypical crystal ball. Um, and they are calling out like, who wishes to see their future? And they will point a long, spindly finger directly at you, Alari, and say... <laughs> She's getting excited. <laughs> you, there, I can see you have come from far away and took no time to get there and back. You, I believe, have an interesting future. She whispers loudly at Candy and goes, She knows! She presumes. I am the fabulous Madame Zazzle, apprentice to the greatest mind in the world, the Silver Man. As she says, the Silver Man, uh, again, kind of a portrait, uh, begins to levitate behind her um, with a painting of a man that all five of you have seen at some point in your past. So we're going to go around, and I'm going to need a d20 roll from all of you, and that will determine where you have encountered this individual, and you will get to fill in the details. So, Doyle, we're going to begin with you, please. A naked d20 roll, please. That is a, d that is a, a one, one, sir. Okay. Yep. Fabulous. So, uh... <laughs> You had a sibling 
who ran into irreconcilable trouble. What was it, and how did the Silver Man feature into that trouble? He stole something uh, from somebody important. Um, the Silver Man... I don't know if this is appropriate because I don't know anything about the Silverman, but the Silverman showed up to defend him and got him off. The best thing is that nobody knows anything about the Silverman. You guys are all fleshing out the Silverman for me. So fabulous. So you had a you had a sibling. He stole something from somebody important, uh, and the Silverman actually came to his defense. All right, Simeon, your D twenty roll, please. That would be a four. A four. A posse rode through your town once looking for an outlaw, and the Silverman was with them. Who were they looking for and why? They didn't tell us a lot of specifics, but they were looking for a brigand who stole something from them. Uh, Something of importance. Uh, it, It was an item that was very important to the Silverman and his group. And we, we kind of knew where this person was because they were native to our area and we were very distrusting um, as we were the, the royals of the area. Um, this, we invited the silver man and his group to, to dinner. Um, and during that dinner, uh, the silver man actually took a fond liking to my auntie who was recently widowed. And at the end of that dinner, it was determined that uh, this person was, in fact, a brigand. The silver man could be trusted, and uh, therefore the location was given. They captured the individual who swore hatred for the Wintermeers. And they returned it, and, they, and they returned with him. Fabulous. Uh, an important thing to note, you never saw the silver man again after that initial encounter. Yes, correct. And your aunt uh, spoke of him, but never saw him again. Okay, Candy. Recently, uh, in one of your voyages before you wound up at Candlekeep, uh, you passed by a temple, uh, and the Silver Man was uh, the priest performing their daily devotions in the temple as you walked by. What was the temple dedicated to? It was a temple that Candy took interest in because on the Astral Sea, there are no sort of sunsets or sunrises. And this was a a temple to the Morning Lord and the Dawn Father. Fabulous. Excellent. Kilvarix. Uh, roll a 12. Roll a 12. Entering, uh, so when you were younger, uh, you entered, there was a city that you and your family traveled to uh, for some reason, uh, and there was an unusual amount of guard presence at the front, um, and the the silver man that you see in this picture was one of the guards at the gate asking for uh, credentials or paperwork. You don't remember exactly kind of the word that they used at the time. Um, Why was the security so high in the city at that time? Well, when Kilvarix was young, we had uh, just rejoined this plane of Toriel from uh, 
the other Abram, uh, was it the alternate Earth before they joined? So any Dragonborn at the time was new and uh, very, uh, very strict security on wherever we were going. Hmm. Fair enough. Absolutely. All right, Alari, your D twenty roll, please. I got an eighteen. When it really doesn't count, then now I'm rolling higher. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, when you were young, your village was saved from certain doom, and the Silverman became a folk hero. What was the calamity, and how did he save your town? Um, there had been a wildfire, and amazing for a town of predominantly druids, um, they were overwhelmed. We were overwhelmed by it, and. He happened to have been traveling along and seen the smoke, and as he got closer, lent his services. And that extra bit of magic, whether it was his or one of his compatriots, I don't remember, but that whatever that extra little bit was, was enough to help because we were faltering. Mm, fabulous. Excellent. Uh, so all of you sort of have this memory as soon as you see the portrait of the silver man appear on the parchment behind Madame Zazzle. Uh, and all of you all of a sudden have this memory and it may not be a memory that you've thought about in some time uh, but it all of a sudden that's right I've seen that face before and you all have that memory of seeing him. But Alarai, again, Madame Zazzle, points directly at you and says, again, uh, that you have come from far away but took no time to get there and back and that they would love to read your future and see what such an interesting future will unfold before you. Please, come, come. Alarai um, will eagerly come forward unless somebody stops her because... She understands stranger danger with candy, mm -hmm. but <laughs> she's still kind of <clears throat> naive. <laughs> All right, fascinated so, by the portrait. Yeah. So as you walk forward, she begins waving her hands over this uh, this crystal ball in front of her, and little little lights begin to dance and bounce off kind of the crystalline structure on the inside of the ball. Uh, and Madame Zazzle's eyes sort of roll into the back of her head and as she begins intoning uh, and says, hmm, you have come to the town seeking answers and yet you are not sure what questions you are trying to solve. And she again begins waving her hands and says, You carry the mark of someone who has been between worlds. Again, intoning. You are not the only one seeking answers to these questions. Stay with the dragon." Avoid the hair and find the open door within yourself. And with that, the lights inside the crystal ball fade and her eyes return to normal. And she looks at you and says, I hope what you have heard has been insightful. He says, I know not what, uh, talents of your of yours would normally garner but 
I offer something from my family and of my own creation. And he puts a box of, uh, of tea and says, uh, please enjoy. A gift to Madame Zazzle is always accepted, but she does not charge for her services. She is giving them freely to those who need them. Then I honor your skill and technique. Tea has been talked about so much. I need to have some at some point. Is is uh, can he tell from his inside whether she is a charlatan or has actual magic? She definitely used some sort of prestidigitation cantrip. Give me, yeah, give, give me an insight roll to go ahead and determine whether or not uh, whether or not she thinks that she's full of crap or whether or not she's actually using whether she knows what she's talking about. Uh, Twenty three. Twenty three. She knows what she's talking about. Well, I am not going to now. do what I was going to do then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. I heard that. Uh, it is, in fact, with a with a twenty with a twenty three. <laughs> With a 23, in fact, uh, I would be so bold to uh, say it is probably not a coincidence that she appeared when you walked by or that she picked Alari out of your crap. Because Kilvarx was about to do his own fortune-telling precedentation and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, He stops and instead puts a... I don't know what I have for money... Uh, I guess a silver piece on the table and just leaves it there. Fabulous. Alari will have been kind of just in that oh, like, you know, childlike wonder, because this isn't magic. She's not, she, she knows nature magic. She recognizes that, but she doesn't know this kind of magic, so she's just ooh. As you continue on past Madame Zazzle's table. You find yourself at the ticket booth for the carnival. And above the ticket booth, in large block ornate letters, uh, is a sign that says, The Witchlight Carnival. Uh, and at the, t- at, at the ticket booth, uh, there's a small silver statue of a dancing fairy uh, mounted on the roof of the ticket booth uh, and surrounded by fluttering butterflies. Uh, the booth is decorated with an animated depiction of the night sky shooting stars arcing across it. Uh, there's an elderly goblin uh, perched behind the ticket counter, peering at you quizzically through a spyglass. Uh, he lowers the spyglass and calls out to you. Greetings, fair goers! Good day to you, sir. I just keep walking. I just have a bad feeling about all of this. I think we'll be fine. Adults are eight silver pieces. I believe uh, our benefactor Simeon was going to cover our fares, was he not? And he shells out the coin. Um, as Simeon, as you call out Simeon's name, he says, Wait, Simeon? What's your last name? Wintermere. Simeon Wintermere? Of the Cormirian Wintermeres? 
Yes, of course. Hold on. And he reaches back under the table and brings out an ornate wooden box. Uh, the wooden box has a wood-burned monogram on the top with the letters N and the letter M. He opens the box and he pulls five tickets out of the box. And the tickets have a red ribbon wrapped around them with a little uh, card that says Simeon Wintermere on them. It says, you have four friends. I have five tickets with your name on them. What a coincidence. One would think. Who's my, uh, who's my benefactor? Hmm. An interesting quandary. Simeon, do you know this goblin? I do, I do now. Your name's, your name, good sir? My name is Nicholas Midnight, ticket taker. And the tickets were paid for by an anonymous benefactor. My dear Mr. Midnight, I thank you for taking the time to do your job so well as to remember my name. I am humbly thankful and in your gratitude. I hope you all enjoy the Witchlight Carnival. I am sure we will. And so as you walk in, uh, sorry, does anybody else wish to do anything before, uh, before you walk in? Uh, I just want to look and see if I can make note of and remember the handwriting of my name. That way, if I see it again, I will be able to know uh, who, who who wrote it. Because somebody could be anonymous, but if, if their handwriting is unique, that would be helpful. Yep, and keep the card, no problem. So two things. One, I want to set up a psionic link with two people of my choosing. Okay. Um, and I'm going to roll my d6 right now to figure out how long that lasts. Fabulous, <laughs> I like it. One hour. Okay. Um, I'm going to link with uh, 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 Simeon and Kelvarix. Um, so basically, you guys cannot talk to each other, but you can talk to me. Um, you guys can send me a message that I can pass along, and I can talk to the both of you. Yep, yep. and it's telepathic. Telepathically, for the next hour. I'm assuming you tell us that, because we've never done this before. I, I, I'm going to say, you're going to hear my, my, you're going to hear my my voice in your head. That's about all I'm going to explain. And then I'm going to tell you telepathically that I'm going to hang back. I want to see if everybody coming through gets prepaid tickets. Fabulous. So it is, uh, let, let me answer. Yeah. Let me answer that question right up front here. We can go ahead and, and, and clear that up. Uh, so as you guys walk through, so there's a line of folks kind of parading into and out of the carnival. And, uh, as, you, uh, as you walk through the gate, even if, if you hang back and everything like that, the next family comes up to the door, um, and, uh, the goblin behind the ticket counter says eight silver pieces for adults, three silver pieces for children, uh, and anybody entering the carnival pays their way and gets in. Nobody else gets free tickets. Okay. It's. I do tell you guys what I tell you guys is that it's 
you like again you two can't talk to each other but you can pass but you guys can both talk to me so if you want me to tell Simeon something you have to tell me and then I tell Simeon and nobody else can hear it Understood. Simeon will look at Doyle and say, They're speaking in my mind. I've certainly heard of such things. Is she, is she some sort of an elf? No, she's a furball. Oh, I don't think I've ever heard of that before. It's pretty cool. That explains a lot. She's my friend. <clears throat> Seems very nice, for sure. I didn't mean to be offensive. Hence the height. Uh, so as you walk through the ticket booth, uh, the carnival is full of uh, of the sights and the sounds and the smells of uh, of your typical carnival uh, uh, in... Imagine in a fantasy setting. You hear uh, overhead uh, the buzz of giant dragonflies with fascinated uh, uh, riders buzz overhead. Uh, off to the left, uh, you hear um, a calliope that seems to be playing itself. Um, there is a, uh, uh, a little... Uh, uh, cart over to uh, the right-hand side that says uh, "lost property" on it. Uh, you can hear um, music from a carousel and laughing. Um, and in front of you, a large uh, three-masted big top uh, with bright colors—a gigantic big top tent—sits uh, in front of you. Uh, several rides and entertainment uh, off to the left-hand side. Why don't we... Uh, well, so, we had previously talked about whether or not we were going to divide. So, uh, Alar wants to go to Lost and Found. Okay. Uh, so, Alari walks over to the Lost Property Wagon. Is anybody going with her? So, while she's walking over there, Kilvarix is going to look at the other three individuals and see and say something that we just now realized. So, um, we're here to find Matrius's family. But we don't know anybody's name or what they look like. How are we going to do this? One could call out. That seems inappropriate for the setting. Uh, it's a small town. We could ask people. I like that idea. Do we know the surname of Matrios? He's a famous person in town. Everybody in town will know his name and by their and therefore know his family. Hmm. I have a different thought um, on a different topic. I apologize for the interruption. Um, talked about these dread planes and the town maybe going across. This carnival appeared suddenly. You think it's possible the carnival has come from the dread plane into this world? It had occurred. 
but just from looking, this carnival is very different from the dread plane we were in. That was dreadful, dreary. This seems more lighthearted and whimsical. I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Unless it's all some sort of illusion. Hmm. While while we're talking, Kilvarx is just keeping an eye on Alorai to see what she's doing, <laughs> watching her over at the at the thing. Yeah, Alorai's about to move over to the lost wagon. I am going to cast Sea Invisibility. Ooh. Okay. Uh. Lasts for an hour. No concentration. And invisible creatures and objects appear as if they were visible and I can see into the ethereal plane. Okay, cool. Uh, okay, so uh, in terms of, so when you cast it, uh, you certainly see uh, kind of all around uh, above you, uh, several, and by several, I mean, I mean many, um, fairy-shaped creatures buzzing back and forth, right? Mm -hmm. um, that seem to be... Um, it's almost like... Uh, I mean, it's hard to tell kind of what their intent is, but they are definitely... Um, uh, they're definitely moving with purpose, and they're kind of moving from point to point. And every once in a while, you'll see one, like, land on the on like the ticket booth, for example. Um, on, like... They'll, they'll land on, on Nicholas's shoulder... They'll whisper in his ear, uh, he'll whisper something back, and then that, that fairy will take off again, that kind of thing. Um, so your assumption would be it's some sort of, like, that's kind of how they're, like, using, like, their messengers and everything like that, right? Um, and so you definitely see kind of that going on. Um, you see some but fewer um, kind of invisible creatures uh, just kind of milling about, again, the the, um, the fair itself. Um performing similar functions but it's more like you know you'll find more like uh not a gigantic turtle but like a small turtlekin uh who is like carrying a crate from one place to another that kind of thing it looks like they're using invisibility to more um keep mask the inner workings mask the inner workings exactly yep yep Alari, did you tell the rest of us that you have this telepathic link or did you just let them know I let them know, but Kilvarix told you. He did. Says that if you needed to, you could well, message. He told me that he had a telepathic link. He didn't say anything about you. So I will then message Kilvarix and whisper to him, The Fae are in abundance here and invisible. Nefarious or benign? Unknown. And I will relay that to Alra. And I'll relay that to Simeon. And thus the game of telephone was invented. <laughs> right? <laughs> so the other thing is that when you when you when you passed through the gate, um, Nicholas handed you all uh, a pair of paper butterfly wings and did say Make sure that you wear these while you're in the carnival, because that's how we know that you paid for your ticket. Not happening. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, the 
the inner authorities of the carnival may mistake you for somebody who has snuck in uh, without any sort of uh, without any sort of ticket, and you could be evicted from the carnival. Be aware. Okay. okay. You gave us <laughs> tickets. Doyle is interested in putting them on just to see if they're enchanted in some way. Maybe they do something. Yeah, fair enough. Um, you put on the wings, and they do not seem enchanted. They just seem like normal pa- like paper wings. Okay, so Alright, you walk over to the lost property tent. The lost property wagon. Before I get there, I run my hand through my hair and it turns pure white. My hair my skin tone gets darker and I'm gonna lose about three inches. Okay. Does Kovarik see this as he's watching around the back of the corner of her eye? I mean she doesn't seem to be doing it secretively. Okay. I'm hoping there's people walking between me and the, the, the cart, those that it, I, I'm trying to hide from them. I'm not as concerned. I mean, them as in the party or them as in people walking? Them as in the people in the cart in the Lost and Found. Got it. Yeah. Uh, and Kavar, you did say earlier that you were keeping an eye on Alari as she walked away. So, yeah, as far as you can tell, she has just changed her hair color, changed her skin tone, changed her height. Interesting. She's a slightly shorter. So so how would you describe what you look like now, Alari? Just like a furball of a different tone? Alari is several inches shorter with darker, darker skin tone. Well, fur tone. There's slight fur on them, so I think slightly darker fur tone with pure white hair. And if you were in front of her, you would have noticed that her blue eyes just went to, to, to emerald green. Fabulous. So you go to the Lost Property Wagon, and outside the Lost Property Wagon is a large feline creature with midnight blue fur. Uh, It has a pair of tentacles extending from its shoulders and wears fake butterfly wings. Hanging from its collar is a small wooden keg. Uh, The creature is like roughhousing with two uh, young boys around the age of 10. Uh, and uh, they're, the boys are just like squealing with delight. Uh, you know, uh, w- one of them is like, is being tickled uh, by it. And the other one is like riding its neck. Um, just kind of, uh, just kind of wrestling with it. Does it look feline like searches the sands or different? It's definitely not a tabaxi. It is, it is a, quadruped feline with two large tentacles. It's a saint displacer beast. It's a, it's a displacer beast, yes. Um, but it's definitely aged. Like, it's like, it's gray around the eyes and gray in the muzzle and, and that kind of thing. Alright, so Elrai walks up to the counter. Her butterfly wings are on her back. I didn't say that earlier. I did put them on. Um... Roy, I've, I've, I seem to have misplaced my dagger. It's green sheath, and it's got blue and brown around the hilt. I need to find my dagger. I think I want to know where it is. Do you, ha- do you happen to have it? Hmm, we have not seen that today. However, and one of its tentacles reaches behind itself and slaps at a pile of uh, of cards, of like blank cards on its back, and then it 
very delicately moves it over to the table and slaps it down in front of you while the other tentacle uh, reaches to a far corner and gets a crayon and brings it over and says, if you would fill out what you are looking for and where we can find you, we would be more than happy to deliver it to you if it steps inside. Many things go lost here. You are not, you are not alone. Right. So I'll fill out a description of what I said, and I'll put the name, um, Kess, and then I will, um, I will use my village. No, I'll, I'll say Candlekeep. Candlekeep, you live there? You must be very smart. I haven't got an address. That's about it. Thanks. And I turn around and walk back and do the same in reverse and put myself back to normal. Did you find what you were looking for? Well, I was thinking, and, and bear with me. I was thinking, you know, magic and people are all of a sudden happy. And I just, I didn't know if I invented something that I lost, if they would find it magically. I, I just, I was curious. Or maybe if they had it, I'd keep it anyway. But I, I, I want to interrupt here for a second. I think Doyle was saying something for a second. Doyle. I think you had something. Yeah, it goes along with what you're thinking. Um, what if we have things backwards? My my first impression was that uh, the carnival came as a result of, of the weakening of the barrier, or the carnival came as in response. I mean, assuming it's not a coincidence. But what if we have it backwards? What if all of the bad things happened um, in before the carnival came as a way to heighten the effect of the carnival itself as a, as a precursor to it. Um, something about making people happy is part of the magic here. Um, perhaps part of the purpose of it. And if you make them a little bit miserable beforehand, you get a, a heightened effect. Perhaps it's feeding some sort of, I don't know, some sort of Mayor Jackass said that the depression did not occur before the last appearance. Maybe it did, but was erased. Interesting theory. Or is the carnival like antibodies trying to fight the evil? Just a thought. I don't know. An interesting one, for sure. Perhaps we can use the lost and found to find Matrice's family. Enchanted Carnival, they find lost things, we might be able to ask them. Appealing. I think that's clever. But if they're from out of town, they may not know his family either. I mean, I don't... I don't know that anything magical happened when I asked for an in, you know, the, an item. I'll walk up to the displacer beast. Yes? How may I help you? I appear to have lost a person. Oh my, that's quite disturbing. Now who are you missing? Neither of these two are yours. 
I am looking for the family of Matrios. Hmm, wasn't that an interesting name? Can you describe them? Uh, we see a great many people. Are they lost? If I cannot find them, then they must be lost. I suppose. Uh, uh, we have ways of uh, of examining the uh, the park to find uh, missing uh, missing uh, the parents of missing children, for example. Uh, how uh, how how uh, how uh, uh, are you related to them? Are you Matrias? I am not. No. Kind one, we are... We have met Matrias some time ago, and we have been sent to find his family to deliver an important message. Ooh, my. uh, About him, Matrias. I see. And we have... And we have not met his family... We only know Matrius' name, and uh, we could use any help uh, we could get in locating his family. It is a matter of great importance. I see, yes. Hmm. Why don't... uh, I can do this, then. I can send our uh, swarms of fairy kind who can examine the people in the park and hopefully find who you are looking for. Uh, Are you going to be staying in the carnival for a while? I'll point to one of them. We have tickets. I can speak with this one, if you wish. Yes, I mean, we have a great many of them. Clearly, how 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 cunning of you to be able to see through, uh, see behind the veil, so to speak, to go ahead and see how the carnival works. And yes, uh, we can certainly do what we can to find them. Uh, uh, while you are here, uh, where will you be? Uh, where Where can I find you if we are successful? There's a carousel over to your right, uh, that uh, quite a desired ride. This one will find a confection dealer. Um, I'm sure we'll take, uh, make use and see some of the rides and take a look. Our, our goal was to find Matrios' family and be where it would be easiest for you to find us. Uh... Right, I'm just that's I'm just trying to suggest where I might be able to find you if we can help you finding uh, uh, this individual's kin. Where is the nearest seller of confections? One of his tentacles will kind of arc over his shoulder. Said, "There's a whole row of uh, of vendors behind the cart here. If you're going uh, towards the dragonfly rides or the carousel, or or uh, uh, there's the feasting orchard over there. Uh, that's a uh, uh, all these th- that you walk right by them. Uh, there's wonderful, uh, wonderful candies and and uh, caramel apples, and uh, uh, they have this 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 wonderful." This wonderful bread-type substance that they put in boiling oil and uh, uh, serve it with some powdered sugar. It's fabulous. That does sound delicious. We will certainly be in this food area you speak of, and then, if not there, the carousel. I mean, if we're going to enjoy the carnival, I kind of feel like an idiot for wearing all this armor. 
you are certainly not the only person who's ever come stomping through the carnival wearing armor. Like, that's not, you're certainly not the first one to have done so. Don't feel so bad. Um, here, hold on. And he, his tentacles, uh, uh, dig around underneath the, uh, the, 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 the um, uh, the counter here. Um, and, uh, he pulls up an oversized shirt, um, that, uh, is like a lime green uh, and uh, written in uh, in pink letters across the front. Um, it just has um, uh, Silver Song Lake uh, written across the top. Uh, here! In his whole life, Doyle has never been more perplexed, but the idea of writing on a shirt is one of the most fascinating things he's ever seen. And, and he's thinking about a million possibilities. Uh, here, if you if you feel bad about the armor, what uh, uh, if uh, put the, the owner comes to retrieve that, that shirt has been here for thirteen years. If the owner at this point is coming back to retrieve the shirt, it's probably not going to fit anymore. It seems like a perfect accoutrement for our friend, though. He takes the shirt, but he wanders away, just sort of staring at it. Yeah, uh, you can put it on over your armor so you feel less self-conscious. A shirt from somebody other than a merchant. It's a merch shirt. How did they even write on it? Here's a preview from the next chapter of the Amshire Calamity. I mean, if you're too scared to stare at Cyclops in his only eye, then I suppose that's fine. I'll try. Sorry, soldier boy, not today. Should have quit while you were ahead. I am burdened with the solemn duty to notify you of your son's passing. Do you know the Silver Man? Hmm. Well, now that's a question. I do.